0: Hey everyone!
1: And welcome to Ice Crime.
0: Where we talk about true crime and some nice things too.
1: Each episode, Sam will talk about a crime case.
0: And JT will talk about good things happening in the world.
1: Today, Sam will be covering the case of Dee Dee and Gypsy Road Blanchard.
0: And JT will be talking about food and new life.
1: Welcome to Ice Crime! Let's make a jingle. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ice Crime, where we talk about true crime and some nice things too. Hi, <sighs> oh,
0: everybody. Welcome back. If you're coming back, thank you. If you're co- joining us for the first time, welcome.
1: A brave crowd. A brave crowd. To come back.
0: Yeah. So it's exciting. Last time we recorded remotely, and now JT and I are actually together for recording, which has been an experience already.
1: Yeah, it's just everything's funnier. It is. It's together. harder
0: to keep a straight face, and I I feel like that's gonna be really inappropriate in about five minutes. Because <laughs> this is <laughs> a <murder>. crime, <laughs> a crime, yeah. So getting around to like the name of our podcast, that wasn't really clear in the first episode. We're eating ice cream at the same time as we we're recording this, so
1: and talking about crime, ice crime. Therefore, yes. Yes. Ice cream. So.
0: You guys have ice cream near you? Just just grab a pint or a gallon, I'm not one to judge, and just, just eat ice cream and talk about murder. Today I'm talking about the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case, and if you guys aren't familiar with that, this one is a murder. This one does have some parent-child abuse in it. So if this isn't your cup of tea, skip this episode. You know, uh, we'll have plenty more content coming that you might be more comfortable listening to. But just a, a warning out there. To
1: or just skip to the end.
0: Just skip to the end where there's a good story.
1: Uplifting story. Uplifting yes. story
0: coming. So that is my disclaimer at the beginning. Do you have anything else before I dive in? Bring it on. Bring it on. Okay. Sorry. Wait,
1: I don't really know if bring it on is an appropriate <laughs> phrase for tell me about murder. murder. It's murder time. Yes. Yeah. Let's go forward bravely.
0: So I'm going to begin our story at the end. It's 2015, so this is a lot more recent than last episode. Sheriff's officers of Greene County, Missouri, are dispatched to the Blanchard home after concerned neighbors alerted them to some unusual behavior on their Facebook page. The officers found 48-year-old Claudine D.D. Blanchard laying in a pool of blood that had come from several stab wounds that had been inflicted a few days before. There was no sign of her daughter Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Those who knew the girl all attested that Gypsy had suffered from a laundry list of diseases and mental and physical disabilities. Gypsy Rose had leukemia, asthma, muscular dystrophy, meaning she had to use a wheelchair, and she also had mental retardation that her mother claimed in the past that she had the mind of a seven-year-old despite being in her teens. So neighbors grew concerned about the two after they read some concerning posts on their Facebook page and alerted the police to perform a welfare check on the house. This led the police to believe that foul play was involved and that Gypsy Rose had been kidnapped, and they all thought this because her medications were found inside the house as well as her wheelchair. So the following day, Gypsy Rose was located, but what officers would find had completely shocked investigators and friends that were closely following the case.
1: The lady, how old was she when she was murdered again? You said that, right?
0: 48.
1: But she, she had a, daughters? Yeah. Even though she was like had some things going on with no, her?
0: No, no, no. The daughter was the one that was mentally...
1: So the mom is the one that was murdered. Yes. Even though the daughter...
0: The daughter was the one with all of like A lot the... of
1: bad conditions.
0: Yes. So the following day, Gypsy Rose was located in Wisconsin, who was found with her boyfriend Nicholas Godijan, whom she met on an online dating site. When they found her, the police were shocked to find that Gypsy Rose was walking on her own accord and had the mind of a fully functioning adult. The police then found that the young woman did not suffer from any mental or physical disorders whatsoever. The friends and community members that supported the two were outraged to find the news that the girl's illnesses were all fabricated, because these people offered their time, donations, and sympathy to them. This seemed like a cut-and-dry fraud case, but as investigators dug deeper, they revealed that Gypsy had gone through events and traumas that no child should have to endure.
1: So who was keeping the secret? Was the mom keeping the secret?
0: I'll get into it more later, but yeah, basically Gypsy was really kept in the dark about who she really was.
1: She was almost a puppet by her mom. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get into that more later, but...
1: This is, so far... Very weird. Yeah. Bizarre. Twisted. So this,
0: as a side note, this is like the very first crime case that I got into. So I watched a documentary on this case, I want to say when I was like a sophomore in high school, so four years ago now. Wow. Yeah. And it like really, really interested me. So this is like the first case that I really dug into back then. And I am i don't want to say I'm excited to cover it now, but it's definitely very interesting. Like
1: Reliving that spark.
0: I sp- yeah, I suppose so. A very weird spark that inspired a weird hobby. That's me. So now I'm going to go back to the beginning. Dee Dee Blanchard was born in Chack Bay, Louisiana in 1967. In her early childhood, Dee Dee had small instances where she would get into a lot of trouble. She would commit acts of petty theft if things weren't going her way, and things almost always went her way. Her own father described Dee Dee as extremely selfish and attention-seeking. And when she was 24 years old in 1991, she became pregnant with Gypsy Rose. The father was 17-year-old Rod Blanchard. And the pair quickly got married, but Rod left Dee Dee soon after Gypsy was born because he said he realized that he, quote, got married for the wrong reasons. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I watched it. In the documentary that I watched, uh, Rod was in the interview and he said, you know... In the South, you get a girl pregnant and you marry her. That's something you have to do. But after waking up on his 18th birthday, he kind of just looked around and was like, what am I doing with my life? So on a side note, in 1997, Dee Dee was in charge of taking care of her sick and bedridden mother, who seemed to pass away under mysterious circumstances. Reportedly, Dee Dee and her mom didn't have a great relationship, so the family was really suspicious about the fact that Didi's Dee mother had died, and they thought that she starved her mother to death. Hmm. Which is... It's only, like, speculated, but... She was bedridden and, and taken... I don't know exactly how she died. When Gypsy was three months old, she developed her first quote-unquote illness. Her mother became convinced that she had sleep apnea and repeatedly took her daughter to the hospital. Gypsy went through several overnight stays and studies, but none of the tests indicated that she had any illness at all. Despite this, Didi Dee Dee told everyone that Gypsy was sick and had several disorders, including chromosomal issues, which is what she used to blame a lot of, like, other not-so-easily-explained illnesses on. So anytime somebody would question something, Dee, Dee would be like, oh, it was a- because of her chromosomal disorder. So when Gypsy was seven or eight, she was on a motorcycle ride with her grandfather where they suffered a minor accident. Gypsy had a minor abrasion to her knee, like cuts and bruises, nothing broken or anything like that. But her mother took this to the extreme and put Gypsy in a wheelchair and told her that she was no longer able to walk. And from then on, she didn't walk in public. Hmm. She knew that she could still walk, but her mother put her in the chair and told her not to. And, like, when you're that age, you listen to what your mom says. Right. You know, your mom says don't walk, and you don't walk.
1: Yeah, and eventually, after doing that for so many years, you just... Accept it as normal, leave because whenever at the age when it started, you didn't know any better.
0: Exactly, it just mm-hmm. comes like as a routine at that point, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, it was around this time that Dee Dee began to lie to Gypsy about how old she was. She would tell her that she was years younger than she actually was in order to keep her in a juvenile and vulnerable state. So, in 2001, Gypsy competed in the Special Olympics, and Dee Dee entered her as an eight year old despite the fact that she was 10.
1: This kind of deception stuff is our tactics that were, have been used throughout history to to um, mentally enslave people or mm-hmm. physically enslave them, but to do so mentally. Yeah,
0: to, you know, it's a really like I don't want to say clever, but it, it's like a clever form of abuse where the mother is like taking her to this vulnerable state without her even realizing it's it. It's very this abusive. Point.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So Gypsy was homeschooled, but Dee Dee refused to teach her anything past the second grade level. She didn't teach her how to read. This, once again, this is like keeping her in a vulnerable state, but actually Gypsy taught herself how to read through reading the Harry Potter series, which I thought was a fun little detail. And it reminds me of Matilda, if anybody's ever seen that movie or the musical or read the book. So the pair spent most of their time visiting various specialists, mostly at Tulane Medical Center and the Children's Hospital of New Orleans seeking medical treatment for the illnesses that Claudine claimed Gypsy suffered from, which she now had included hearing and vision problems. So she had hearing aids and very, very large glasses. While a muscle biopsy found no sign of muscular dystrophy, Claudine insisted that Gypsy had this illness, and she was successful in securing treatment for her daughter on other fabricated issues. She was just very, very good at convincing the doctors that something was wrong, even if there wasn't. Hmm. Which is just another, like, she's really, just a master manipulator at this point.
1: I feel like even though this is only our second episode, manipulation is a common trait among not just murderers, but,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: really terrible people in the, yeah. in the first place. Manipulation is.
0: Yeah, abusers or or just people that take advantage of others.
1: Something I've also, on a similar note, you mentioned like the medical center. It's really doing a disservice to those people who actually have legitimized issues Mm -hmm. um, because you can see that they didn't deny gypsy and her mother they didn't deny her services even though
0: and they got a lot of like special treatment from like habitat for humanity and the make-a-wish foundation they got like all expense paid trips to disney and you know they benefited a lot from this
1: it's just disgusting
0: it is but
1: but you can't blame the daughter I mean, no, because the truth is like the No, the daughter, this started
0: when she was so young
1: and I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but do you know of any traumatic things that happened in Dede's childhood? Because, you know, their parents were like, OK, she's very manipulative. Did she have any influences in her childhood? The mother, did she have any experiences that would lead her to be this way?
0: I know that they, in the interview, in the documentary that I talked about, there was an interview with Dee Dee's father and her stepmother. And her father admitted, basically, that, like, he always gave Dee, Dee whatever she wanted. So, I don't know if it's, like, a form of abuse, but it's not, it's not abuse at all. But it's just kind of giving in to...
1: She it, would not be used to not getting whatever what she, she wanted. Exactly. That's still a stretch to say that that's responsible for all of her actions, but it could definitely contribute. No, but it definitely
0: breeds, like, a certain type of person to always have expectations where, you know, I'm getting what I want.
1: And to get it repeatedly. And to get
0: it and to not stop at any means. Before we went on the tangent, I said that Claudine got, like, the doctors to perform uh, medical procedures even though they weren't warranted. And after she told the doctors that Gypsy had seizures every few months, they prescribed her anti-seizure medication, and several surgeries were performed on her during this time. And Dee Dee regularly took Gypsy to the emergency room for like the most minor of things. It sounds very overprotective, like to an extreme. Just I don't master. even think
1: overprotective is the word. I think no. it's just straight up manipulative.
0: Yeah. I suppose, yeah. In 2005, they were victims of Hurricane Katrina and lost pretty much everything. And Dee Dee actually l- later used this to her advantage when manipulating doctors, saying that Gypsy's early medical records were lost due to the major storm. So she really twisted that in her own way, being like, "You can't find the records, but I'll tell you, I'm her mother. Like, right, trust me, I'm right. your, I'm her mother." Yeah. So nobody wanted to question the single parent trying to support a special needs child after a natural disaster. Like, no doctor is going to put up that kind of fight. Of
1: course not. It would make the doctor seem like a terrible
0: person. Exactly. In 2008, they moved to a new home in Springfield, Missouri. Um, This new home was built by Habitat for Humanity, and the house was bright pink and complete with a wheelchair ramp right out front. Gypsy Rose charmed everybody who met her, she had huge glasses and a bright smile and actually she had had a lot of her teeth pulled so like her teeth are missing in a lot of pictures before she got the um, the in- what are they called? Dentures? She didn't have dentures, they were just basically like, insert- it was almost like a retainer the way it pops in but like mm. it's just like the front teeth, the front like four I suppose Odd. Like yes. if you scroll down to the second picture you can see her teeth are missing in that picture And those are the ones that got replaced I will post these pictures to the Instagram by the way She also had a high childlike voice that would make anyone happy and believe that she was just a really young child. Mm -hmm. Um, She often wore different colored wigs in order to cover up the fact that she was bald. She was bald because her mother shaved her head every week and told her that she had leukemia. She would say, you know, it's going to fall out anyway, so we might as well keep it nice and neat. It was just to keep up the appearance that she had a sick child, because seeing anybody who's bald and frail and in a wheelchair, you kind of make very quick assumptions about somebody.
1: Exactly. I thought at the beginning you said she did have leukemia but that was just...
0: Well I set it up. That's what everybody thought because all the neighbors thought that she had leukemia and they thought she had this and that and everything else. Gypsy was also fed through a feeding tube that was implanted in her stomach. Her mother would solely feed her through this tube. Gypsy hardly took anything by mouth. That included medication and Gypsy didn't have to be conscious in order to be fed. And Gypsy said herself that she believes her mother would often drug her by putting a different amount of medications or painkillers in the feeding tube while Gypsy was sleeping mm-hmm. to keep her vulnerable and in a state where she had to be reliant on her mother, <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Me- the medical treatments, or should I say mistreatments, of Gypsy continued. Her mother convinced doctors that they needed to remove Gypsy's salivary glands because her mother claimed that she drooled too much. Dee Dee achieved this by rubbing numbing ointment on her daughter's gums before the doctor's visits. The lack of salivary glands along with a large number of medications that she was on caused Gypsy's teeth to decay, so that's why they had to be pulled. So the majority of her teeth like, were extracted, and then she later had the dentures, not dentures, the inserts. Dee yeah. Dee used many forms of physical abuse to control her daughter. Whenever they were in public together, Dee Dee would always be holding Gypsy's hand, and if she said something wrong, Dee Dee would give her hand a squeeze and say, or the squeeze kind of communicated that, you know, you're going to be punished for this later. And some of these punishments would include being hit with various objects, including her palm. Dee Dee would starve Gypsy, not giving her any food for a certain amount of days if she had done something to disobey her. So this is like jumping from like medical abuse to like physical now at this point. Mm Dee Dee forged multiple federal documents, including Gypsy's birth certificate. She changed Gypsy's birthday from 1991 to 1995 so that she would appear as a minor on paper and Gypsy's medical decisions would still remain up to DD because we have HIPAA. We all signed now, or I signed it, so my parents could make medical decisions see my documents because I don't know what to do, even though I'm almost 20 and no, I... Yeah. No.
1: You're not alone, though. No,
0: I know. Gypsy being younger than she actually was was still very believable at this point. She was very petite and the wheelchair made her look even smaller. Her head was still shaved and she had, like I said, very large glasses. Her eyes appeared like larger and more childlike at that point. Gypsy stated in a later interview that for a long time she had no idea how old she was when she was growing up. Her mother kept changing the answer every time she asked. This left Gypsy very confused, but it gave her no choice but to trust her mother as no one else could give these answers to her.
1: Right, and like a lot of people are like, okay, it's just a birthday, but I mean, you actually have to think about if you don't actually know it's your birthday. That that's kind of the core of your identity. It's a sad thing. You know? It
0: is really sad. This case is definitely a downer, but it's. I almost think of it as a form of like vigilante justice in a way. If you like, when you'll see what happens, just because you'll see. <laughs> so starting in two thousand and one. Gypsy would attend sci-fi fantasy conventions with her mother, often dressing up in costume to attend, and many times as like Disney princesses, which is my kind of vibe. At one of these conventions in 2011, remember Gypsy is 20 years old at this point, but doesn't know it. Um, She met a man and began a friendship with him online. She ended up telling him everything about her home life and he encouraged her to come and meet him so that he couldn't help her get away from her mother so gypsy ran away from home and met her friend at a hotel room only four hours had gone by before dd showed up at the room having tracked her daughter down they had mutual friends in common on facebook and dd was able to track her down as a result uh, she took dd away from the hotel and told the man that she was a minor by showing him the fake birth certificate and that he should stay away from gypsy or else she would be calling the police When they got home, Dee Dee smashed Gypsy's phone and computer with a hammer and handcuffed her to the bed for the next two weeks. Dee Dee then told Gypsy that she had filed paperwork that said she was mentally incompetent. And this led Gypsy to believe that if she went to the police or authorities that they would not believe her because they thought the paperwork declaring her mental state would render her unbelievable. Exactly, yeah. So she's just feeling like utterly hopeless at this point. Yeah. In 2012, Gypsy began sneaking onto her mother's computer while she slept. It was here that Gypsy signed on for an online Christian dating website. It wasn't long before she found the profile of Nicholas Godijan. They began to message each other back and forth and soon began an online relationship. And from all accounts of Gypsy, she was in love with him. He made her feel very, very special. And they would often conversate late at night after Gypsy's mother went to bed. Nicholas lived in Big Bend, Wisconsin, and actually had a few skeletons of his own in his closet. He had a criminal record for indecent exposure in public, and he also had a history of mental illness and suffered from autism and multiple personality disorder. Mm. Despite this, Gypsy was very happy about her relationship. She was finally living out a romance that she dreamed about for so long. She grew up watching Disney movies and just, like, wanted her prince to come and rescue her from her tower. And with Nick, she was a step closer to that like fairy tale life that she wanted. She loved having someone to confide in and share her life with. And Nick and Gypsy often spoke of running away and getting married and having kids and building a life together. Um, a year into their relationship, it's now 2015, and Nick and Gypsy finally want to try and meet up in person. So they hatch a plan. Gypsy and her mother had a plan to see the live action Cinderella movie in theaters, which I also went to go see in theaters. Not at the same theater, not at the same show.
1: I was about to say, what if? (laughs) Uh, That would have been
0: the show to go to. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Gypsy thought that this was the perfect place for Nick to, quote unquote, run into them. And they could meet in person and Dee Dee would know about it. And they could begin their relationship at that point in her mother's eyes.
1: It wouldn't risk her getting in a lot of trouble.
0: Exactly. Gypsy scraped together money for a bus ticket and got Nick down to Springfield and they got ready to meet. Things did not go according to plan. (laughs) Dee Dee immediately hated Nick. She thought he was weird and creepy for going to a kid's movie all by himself in the middle of the day. Which she's not wrong. She's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The couple managed to both leave at the same time during the movie. And they met up in the men's bathroom where they had intercourse with each other. So when Didi and Gypsy got home, Didi was incredibly angered with how enamored Gypsy was with Nick. Remember, she has no idea about their online relationship.
1: Or the bathroom. Or saying. the bathroom
0: at all, yeah. But she forbade Gypsy from ever seeing him again. And this only angered Gypsy because of how in love with him she was. Gypsy and Nick started to come up with a plan to get Gypsy away from her mother. At this point, Gypsy had confessed to Nick the many forms of abuse that she had endured from her mother. Gypsy knew that her mother would never let her go willingly, and they finally came to the conclusion that they needed to get Dee Dee out of the way in order for Gypsy to be free from her grasp.
1: Uh-oh. That Uh-oh. doesn't sound This very... is when you add
0: the dun-dun-dun sound effect. Please don't actually do that. It was at this point that they came up with a plan to kill Dee Dee and run away together in sort of a Bonnie and Clyde romance, running away from the law. In June of 2015, Gypsy bought Nick another bus ticket, and he returned to Springfield again. On that day, Gypsy and her mother went to a doctor's appointment and came home. There, they did each other's nails and went to bed. They waited a few hours, and Gypsy got out of bed to let Nick into the house, handing him gloves, duct tape, and a knife. She led him to her mother's bedroom, Then Gypsy went into the bathroom and covered her ears so she couldn't hear what was happening in the other room. Nicholas Godejean then stabbed Dee Dee several times in the back. It was at this point that they knew Claudine Blanchard was dead. They cleaned up the scene as best as they could, and then they had sex in Gypsy's bedroom, and stole $4,000 in cash, and then fled to a nearby motel where they stayed for a few days to plan their next moves. Mm. A lot just happened in that sentence. They packaged and mailed the murder weapon to Nick's house in Big Bend, Wisconsin, and they then traveled on a Greyhound bus to meet it there. Several witnesses and security footage saw Nick and Gypsy walking around the stores and bus station in Springfield before they left. Gypsy was wearing a wig to cover her shaved head, and she was also walking on her own accord. When they arrived at Nick's parents' house, the days went by and Gypsy was growing concerned that no one had found her mother's body yet. This had to be conflicting for her because on the one hand Dee, Dee was Gypsy's mother who raised and cared for her but on the other hand she was also her captor and abuser.
1: Mhm. But you said she wanted someone to find her mother? Yeah. To give her like a proper burial yeah. or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm sure she felt like extremely guilty and I'm sure she still does but
1: even though I don't know it's weird that she wishes that because she has to know that once someone finds her mother
0: they're, they're going to start for an her.
1: investigation. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to looking for her, they're going to start an investigation for the killer. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So Gypsy decided that she was going to craft some posts to put on her mother's Facebook page that were hopefully going to draw attention to the fact that she was in trouble. There were two posts, and I'm going to read you the first one that's pretty short. It's one sentence. The, The second one is like really vulgar, and I'm not going to read that one. I'll just give you like a quick summary. So the first post was one line. And it just read, quote, that bitch is dead. That's a little bit vulgar. The second post taunted the friends of Dee Dee and Gypsy, um, saying that the two of them had been slashed and raped. And that's all I'm going to say about that.
1: Referring to both Dee Dee and Gypsy. And
0: Gypsy. There is no evidence that Dee, Dee was raped, by the way. At first, all the friends thought like their account had been hacked, but others that lived nearby went to go check on them, and seeing that their car was in the driveway and getting no answer to the door, they called the police to perform a well che- welfare check on the two, and the police arrived but had to wait for a search warrant so they could enter the house. After that, that's when they entered the home and discovered Dee Dee's body, and the search for Gypsy began, like I said at the beginning of the episode. It was at this point that they still thought Gypsy was a victim and possibly kidnapped. A GoFundMe was set up to pay for Dee Dee's funeral expenses and possibly Gypsy's as well. Everyone was very afraid for Gypsy because she did not have her wheelchair, feeding tube or medications, so they all thought that she was left helpless and possibly dead. But they had no idea that she actually didn't need any of those things at all. The community rallied around the Blanchards and they held vigils for the missing Gypsy. Meanwhile, the police traced the IP address of the Facebook posts that were made on Dee Dee's account and they found that they had been posted from Big Bend, Wisconsin. A neighbor of the Blanchards came forward to the police and told them that Gypsy had confided in her and told her that she had a secret boyfriend in Wisconsin. After learning the name of the secret boyfriend, the police up north raided the Godajan home. Nick and Gypsy surrendered to the police and were taken into custody on charges of murder and felony armed criminal actions. Wow. It was fast.
1: That was. I mean, it doesn't surprise me they found them so fast using social media. And also the fact that she told neighbors about the secret boyfriend but the fact that they immediately linked the mom's murder to them is quite interesting yeah
0: well I mean it, I guess it was the only solid lead that they had to go on really like you gotta talk only to friends and family one
1: really with probable calls I guess I suppose yeah especially I mean I don't know if you're gonna touch on this later but the weapon he mailed the weapon back yeah to himself. I didn't
0: really see too much on the weapon later like
1: he must have hit it somewhere I think
0: I think they said... I might be... So, okay, if you guys didn't know anything about this case, there's also a TV show that's eight episodes long. It's called The Act. It's on Hulu. It's very good. And it's basically this case, but, like, a little bit more dramatic. And I've watched the show, and it's very hard to uh, distinguish what actually happened in the show and what happened in real life. A lot of the details are, like, accurate, but some of them were obviously fabricated just a little bit. But in the show, I think they discussed disposing of it in a lake so i don't know if that actually happened but the the knife the knife yeah the knife that they used the news that gypsy had been found spread a breath of relief across springfield but it was very short-lived soon the news spread that gypsy could walk which led to people to wonder what other illnesses that gypsy had were lies green county sheriff gave a press conference during the investigations of the case saying quote things are not always as they appear end quote they then reveal to the public that Gypsy's illnesses have been fabricated to play out an elaborate fraud scheme. They officially state that Dee suffered from a mental illness called Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Munchausen syndrome by proxy, or MSBP, so I don't have to continue to say it, is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care, such as a child or an elderly adult or a person who has disability. Because vulnerable people are the victims, MSBP is a form of child abuse or elder abuse. In a later interview, Gypsy said that she researched um, Munchausen syndrome by proxy, and on the list of symptoms, her mother checked every single box for it. Right. So. And this
1: is while she was in trial?
0: This is when, after she was, had gone through the trial, and I guess after she had been convicted. Okay. So, right. she is convicted, spoiler alert. After the long-term abuse of Gypsy was revealed to the court, the state decided not to pursue the death penalty on her, and they made the same decision for Godijan as well, stating that the circumstances of the case were too extraordinary. Uh, her lawyers were able to secure Gypsy's medical records and therefore ensure that she would be tried for murder in the second degree and even like got her a plea deal. So, she received a 10-year sentence for the role that she played in her mother's death. Gotojan faces much more serious charges because it is said that he orchestrated the crime and actually did the killing himself. Right, right. Yeah. So after his trial in 2018, Gotojan was sentenced to life in prison. Um, Gypsy has gained much needed weight in prison and is recovering more and more from her abuse. And in 2020, in a 2020 episode, she stated that, I feel like I'm more free in prison than living with my mom because now I'm allowed to just live like a normal woman, end quote. She is now serving her sentence at Missouri's Chillicothe Correctional Center and is set to be released in 2024, but her next parole hearing is in December of 2021. And that is all I have on the case. That is
1: the DD Gypsy story.
0: It is. Do you have any last final thoughts on this?
1: I'm very... A very practical person. I was thinking a little bit about their sentence.
0: I was uh, going to ask you about that specifically, actually. I
1: don't know what my opinions are about that quite yet, because the thing about Gypsy was she was really mentally ill with the way she was raised. She was not in her normal mind, and we could not blame her for that because of her mom.
0: I think there's definitely going to be a form of like, I, I, maybe PTSD or at least like
1: remorse
0: yeah a lot i mean she went through a lot like not even just abuse but like her mother got murdered but i mean it was orchestrated by her but that's still
1: that would make it worse i think feeling responsible yeah but the thing you have to think about is like well yeah you know gypsy was mentally ill so was her boyfriend yeah and but he has life in prison i mean then again yeah they're
0: not together anymore by the way i feel like i should mention that
1: i think it'd be a little bit hard yeah. Anyways to be together.
0: Yes. Um I have mixed feelings on the on the side of like sentencing because I feel like on one hand she already served so much time out of her life. Like, you know, she's almost what, twenty well, she was born in nineteen ninety one. She's twenty nine.
1: Twenty nine, yeah, going on thirty. So half of her life would either be spent <laughs> under the captivity of her mom or the captivity of ri- prison yeah uh you know but then again i mean you know killing is a big deal
0: yeah i mean it's still a murder
1: it's still a murder and yes she was
0: i mean 10 years isn't in the grand scheme of things like it
1: might be less than 10 years a lot of times prison sentences if her
0: parole hearing goes well in 2021 I i think it's it's a very like back and forth thing for me because i feel like on one hand it's very vigilante justice with her like overcoming her captor and, and being free from this abuse that she's faced but it's also
1: quite twisted
0: it is twisted i mean because it's a murder and th- another thing that i have to wonder too is um Dee, Dee raised gypsy and dd Dee Dee was a very master manipul very much like a master manipulator and what did gypsy pick up on
1: yeah, yeah yeah hopefully any of those habits that she did would be corrected in prison or lessened during her time there but the thing about infringing on children is that it it nearly has a lifelong it seems like what i'm not saying it's impossible to change but whatever you
0: learn as a young child
1: really sticks with you
0: yeah i, I think like early development is like the most important part in like forming a person you know
1: But then again, in a case as extreme as this, it wouldn't surprise me to see an extreme U-turn too, just because of if she becomes aware of how how I mean from
0: what from what I've seen in interviews with Gypsy, you know, she seems like a very like genuine person, which could just be manipulation again, but I I would like to think that it's not, just because I think sometimes bad situations form good people Mm -hmm. where, you know, if we're going through a lot of rough things in life, you know, it really makes you stop and appreciate the really good things. And I think that helps make good people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I will say in the 2020 episode, Mm -hmm. do you know if she mentioned anything about feeling regret for killing her mother, because yeah. I'm here, we just say that she feels more free in prison. It's all about her. Did she make any comments yeah. about...
0: So in the documentary I watched, it's an HBO documentary if anybody wants to go watch it. It's called Mommy, Dead and Dearest. I watched it on YouTube, so if you just want to like search it on YouTube, you can do that. She was asked in an, by the interviewer, she said, they said, um, are you happy that you are away from your mother? And Gypsy was very emotional at this point, and she said, "Yes, I'm happy I'm away from her, but I'm not happy that she's dead." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it was desperation at the point Gypsy was at. She didn't think going to the police would help. Her doctors didn't notice that um, she was healthy. Um, she didn't have any friends to to back her up at all. It was just okay, pure desperation. Like this was her last option. I'm going to post all the pictures for the case on our Instagram page. So if you guys want to have any, like, discussion or state your opinion on this, I'd be really Share happy it to listen. in the comments. Yeah. yeah. And if anybody makes some really, really good points that I forget, I'll put it in the next episode or so. But, yeah, that is my side of the podcast. JT is about to make you a little bit happier. I hope. <laughs>
1: We're gonna see how this goes. We're gonna see how Sam's reaction to these stories are because I feel like some of the happy stories are sad stories that are actually happy.
0: I'd like to flag that when JT told me he was researching, he said he cried.
1: I think I was just (laughs) emotional. And I don't think they're, we'll we'll just, we'll see. I
0: might cry right, who knows? I'm emotional, not right now. I mean, I'm an emotional person.
1: There's three stories and hey, if it goes that bad, i just cut the last one out.
0: <laughs> I watched a video of a dog and an old man I, this morning, and I cried a lot. So
1: so yes, now for the good news. <laughs> so I found this story about this um, food company called Hormel. And I know what you're thinking. You, you probably don't know. You don't think you know what this is, but chances are you do. Do you have any guesses? Hormel. H-O-R-M-E-L.
0: I want to say fried chicken, but that's probably just because I want a fried chicken.
1: Actually, it's kind of close. It's, it's kind of like a deli meat company. Okay. <clears throat> you know, like, I think what I remember off the top of my head is like this pre-packaged pepperoni. Okay. And the little red and red and white logo with some green on the packaging. Anyways. It's
0: like the Italian flag. <laughs>
1: it's one of the largest packaged American food companies serving over 80 countries. And they announced that they will be offering two free years of college to all the children of their American employees beginning next year.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Now I wish I knew this company. <laughs> right?
1: Well, yeah, it's this project called Inspired Pathways and is an initiative that is open, like I said, to all dependents of the 16,000 domestic employees at Hormel. That's really cool. The only requirement, it's no SAT GPA requirements. The only requirement is that students graduate from high school, and they meet the entry requirements of a community college of their choice.
0: Okay. So it's...
1: It's not a four-year university. Okay. But still.
0: You can get your associates then.
1: Right? For free. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. Cool. I think it's
1: interesting. The vice president of the company released a statement saying, our goal is that it costs us a lot. We want as many people to go as possible. And the CEO stated, when you think about how a college education can change the lives... And start a ripple effect that will be felt for the future generations. That's a real game changer.
0: That's really cool.
1: So, yeah, you know, wow. I I really hope that that's kind of an example because I think that would be a really nice perk of of working for a company to know that, hey, you know,
0: I'm going to college, or my kids going to college. My kids free. going to
1: college, especially when you think about this. A lot of their employees, given the nature of this job, are probably people who
0: like blue collar workers
1: probably don't have a college degree.
0: Right.
1: And and they know that, like, you know, you think about some companies might not even, it's not necessary to do this because everyone working at Google and Amazon, they already went to college. Right. Their kids are going to have no problem going to college. But I think it's most likely. But I think it's really good that uh, this company in particular is taking that initiative yeah. despite the uh, the financial.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. My mom always used to tell me, like, you know, the goal of a parent is to make sure your child's life is better than your own. So. Yeah, that's a really cool way of, you know, spreading – I don't know, spreading that, that mindset, I suppose, because, yeah, it's very good one to have.
1: And kind of staying on the, the topic of food. Is
0: this is th- a different story. This
1: is. Okay. But it's also kind of about food. Okay. A shipped – do you know how to say that? Shipped? A shipped shopper, Christopher Rothstein, completed his 100th order to a local ICU nurse. And to clarify, shipped is a company where someone will shop and get groceries for you.
0: Oh, okay. Kind of so like, like Instacart.
1: Yeah, like Instacart, yeah. basically. But this delivery was not just any delivery to any intensive care unit nurse. It was the nurse who saved the life of Christopher Rothstein, the shipped shopper, eight years previous after suffering from a massive heart attack.
0: Wow.
1: It's kind of ironic. That's
0: really cool.
1: It would have been weird if it was like his 80th or 8th delivery.
0: (laughs) It's like this order isn't relevant, but thanks.
1: (laughs) Right? Upon opening the door, Christopher immediately recognized the man who saved him in 2012, stating how could he forget the individual who saved his own life? On the contrary, the nurse told Christopher that he placed the anniversary of Chris's heart attack on his calendar as a reminder that there's a guy somewhere out there and that we mattered to each other.
0: That's so cool. Like having a connection. That's so cool.
1: I think it's just a reminder that life is a blessing each and every day. And there is something else that all humans share in unity. And that is death.
0: Well, that's a little morbid.
1: <laughs> well, I, but you know, is, is it too...
0: I mean, it's, you're not far off.
1: Is it too off the wall to say that we can take comfort and death because it is something 100 percent of humans are going to go through
0: i mean yes and no i think it doesn't death...
1: make it any more comfortable no, we're all the just death selfish th- people
0: the death thing makes it the thing that's scary is the unknown of course because like you know not knowing where you're going to end up
1: but does having the realization that everyone
0: I guess it is this. a little bit more comforting to know that, like, I'm going to die, you're going to die, and whoever's listening is going to die someday, and that's just kind of a yeah. fact of life. And
1: But I guess humans are, even if you trace it back, maybe evolutionary reasons, that we are selfish, and we do look after our own needs first, and that maybe we don't find that much comfort in the fact that other people die, because... We
0: are selfish people. <laughs> we are selfish. I don't know. I guess because no one is immune to it, you know, it's kind of just at this point A fact it's a collective of life. fear that we all have for yes. sure. So yeah.
1: But I do think that this couple, Mr. Floyd and Mrs. Violet Hartwig, would agree that being together can make things easier. And a touching story reminiscent of the movie The Notebook. A married couple of sixty seven years passed away together on February eleventh holding each other's hands. This lady and gentleman first met in grammar school and developed a relationship after Floyd returned from the Navy. After getting married in 1947, they had three children and lived on a farm. Floyd working, delivering eggs, and Violet raising the children and preparing meals daily so that the family could all enjoy a meal together each day. They never asked for anything, said their daughter. All they ever wanted was their family, and it was amazing that they got that in the end. As heartbreaking as the story seems, what more could any of us ask for in life than to die holding on to the hands of the person that loved you and that stood behind you in life no matter the ups and downs?
0: That one is really sweet. I'm not crying. I'm just tearing up a little bit.
1: It's, it's, it's happy. Yeah. That, what better way would there be to go? It seems so sad because they both died, but it's. They what?
0: never had to live without each other.
1: Right. Even to the last second, they were with each other. They were. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay.
0: It was really sad, but... It's happy,
1: though. It they, was, it was, they died together. It, yeah. What... That is the happiest ending That's to a life you ideal. could have.
0: That's the ideal way to go.
1: Well, a lot of was, life and death... It was a lot of...
0: We did have,
1: uh, you know, someone's life getting saved. We did. And then they reunited over grocery shopping, which is pretty happy to me. That's for sure.
0: And we had murder. But it was to get away from an abuser and make someone's life better. Not saying murder should be justified like that. But yes. all right, everybody. Thank you all for listening to episode two of Ice Crime. Didn't think we'd get past episode one.
1: If you guys have any feedback, just let us know. Yeah. Either message us or just, hey, if you're feeling bold, just comment it, you know? Yeah. We're humble.
0: Yeah. um If you guys have any case suggestions or good story suggestions. Especially
1: good stories.
0: Especially good stories, because those are a lot harder to find. They and are. We want to make life a little easier on good old JT right We want to make life happier. Yeah. So if you guys have any of those suggestions, you can send them to our email at uh podcast at gmail.com or you can follow us on instagram it's at icecrimepodcast. you can send us a direct message you can comment on one of our posts i will probably see it because i'm always on my phone and if you guys have any like personal stories like personal good you know good news stories that you want to send in then like, we'd love to share those as well yeah if yeah we get enough of them we could do like listener story episodes just to make sure. like that yeah.
1: thank you guys for listening
0: yeah thanks for sticking
1: around and stay- we'll see you in the next one
0: yeah we'll see you soon stay tuned for some more ice cream and true crime bye <laughs>